Um, in your first chapter of Cursed, um, you tell a story of desolation and desperation, and it was oftentimes difficult to read uh, because it, well, because I know you somewhat, it was almost uh, painful for me to read it because it was, it seemed like a very low point in your life. Um, and one of the lines from that first chapter that really struck me, you first of all, give us the. Why don't you tell the listeners the um, the story? Be what what is the basic story of the first chapter? Hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, hmm. That's it. It starts and goes in so many directions. Um, it's uh, the reason it is the first chapter. The reason the book starts there and then kind of goes back a dozen mm-hmm. thirty years of autobiography is because that's when the book started. Mm-hmm. And this literally, it, it begins with me sitting on this abandoned, literally burned down uh, bus stop in Revere, Massachusetts on this incredibly hot night in July. This is back in 95. Mm-hmm. And I had just been broken up by someone I was engaged, bro- broken up with by someone I was engaged to. And, uh, you know, informed it over our anniversary dinner that, she was moving out by the end of the month, which was two weeks later, because she's already in love with someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it that destroyed me. I ended up in this tiny little hovel of an apartment with cockroaches everywhere. One of the parts of the story is one night when I fall asleep drunk, and one of them falls off the ceiling into my mouth. Mm-hmm. It's always fun and mm-hmm. crunchy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it was, it was the ultimate low point. It was mm-hmm. the bottom. And me sitting out on that at that bus stop and then uh, the the wonderful man who walked up and mm-hmm. asked me if I could share my drink and I saw it in his eyes he was ready to murder me mm-hmm. he was ready to murder me for the pen I was holding mm-hmm. and somehow I talked him out of it not by doing anything courageous but just by giving up one of the lines that I really that struck me as I was reading it was murders and drug wars occurred like Wednesdays around me Talk about the um, neighborhood you were living in. It was pretty bad. I understand it's gotten better since in the last eight years or so. But and this wha- was in Boston. This is at Revere, um, okay. one of the towns right next to Boston on okay. the on the water. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I was lived in a, a place called Shirley Ave, um, and the neighborhood was basically um, two different sets of immigrants that were moving in. There were Asians and there were Hispanics who hated each other and were constantly having gang wars. And literally every night there was gunfire, there were screams, there were sirens constantly, just constantly. You you did not fall asleep without the sound of sirens in your ears. And um, on on three occasions, coming from work, coming off of the trains, um, Boston's MBTA s- system, coming out of the tunnels and walking up the street, I only had to go two blocks from the station to my apartment, and I would have to step over bodies just bloody bodies left on the sidewalk and it was it was common enough that 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 just was i mean that was that was the daily existence and i mean i remember having a friend over one night and hearing gunshots outside he was like why do you live here i couldn't answer that question Mm -hmm. i said you know I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was the question that I was thinking as I was reading too. And then you, uh, another line that I that struck me was, you say I looked like bad luck. The basest individuals who claimed membership in society shunned me. 
I was a true outcast taken to the streets, not as a victim, but as a crime. What does that mean? That, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of, that goes back to why I think that man didn't kill me when mm-hmm. I was sitting there. I, everybody on the streets, everybody in this kind of neighborhood, you know, you look at them and you think, you know, that person's not going to last the night. Mm-hmm. And you look at someone else, you say, that person's going to commit a crime. I mean, you can see it in their eyes. You can see the predators and the victims. And I was this this odd creature in between that didn't care. I could walk by the people sharpening their knives on a brick wall and just didn't care what happened to me. And that scared the hell out of them. That no one knew how to deal with someone who could just walk right by death as, you know, if it were a tennis ball bouncing down the street. It's just like, okay, fine, there's death. All right, where's the liquor store? Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to do with the next three hours of my life? I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to be unhappy. I can't commit suicide. That's no way out. So I'll just dare death. It was, it was, uh, it was a stubborn, it's just, I, I was daring, daring something to happen to me. <laughs> yes. That was certainly the impression that you gave, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. 